Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Chaddock, your host. Today's uh, episode, I had done one uh, similar to this uh, a while back um, in regards to what they call a favorite person when it comes to somebody with BPD. And um, in my opinion, it can become, um, well, they they do say that it becomes very unhealthy, um, especially if it's... uh, not carefully, um, you know, thought out by both parties. But the thing is, the way I look at it too, if you don't understand what a favorite person is or understand um, about it or the warning signs and uh, the subtypes, how are you supposed to control it? So, um, you know, if anybody does look up online, it is similar to the way I have too. I heard about people with BPD that have what they call a favorite person. And, um, you know, it, I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And it's kind of strange, but after reading it, it seems like a lot of us have what they call a favorite person. But when it's an ingredient mixed in with BPD, that's where it becomes uh, very dangerous, or it can become very dangerous um, and toxic. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today is a favorite person when it comes to an ingredient with BPD. So with that being said, well, let me get on with the episode. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. So today's episode, like I said, is um, titled uh, Favorite Person. And like I said, I had done one a while back, but I did a little bit more uh, listening on uh, some YouTube videos and did a little more reading and got a little bit more of a sense of what a favorite person is. Um... And one of the, the reasons I ended up doing a little bit more research was um, my wife right now is going through some anhedonia, which I'll, um, I'm going to do another episode on that. And uh, anhedonia is, uh, you know, without getting into a deep explanation, is um, it's when you had 
things in the past, whether how simple or complex they may have been, from a hobby <clears throat> to an activity that used to give you pleasure, joy, and reward, um, now doesn't give you any of that at all. As a matter of fact, some of the things can seem more like a task than anything. And um, so doing some research on trying to help her, you know, with this anhedonia, um, I started coming across um, some more subjects on, um, you know, a favorite person. So I just um, kind of veered off into that subject a little bit and wanted to touch base on it with um, with you guys. And um, the, the reason is, is because I found some interesting things that kind of, you know, kind of touched on some things that I kind of regressed into my memory um, when it came to a favorite person, um, kind of because it made me really jealous and kind of put in the back of my head and I didn't want to, you know, resurface it, but I think I should um, to help everybody else out. And um, I want to apologize um, any road noise or anything. Unfortunately, I'm in my vehicle. Make a recording in my vehicle. It's never the, uh, the best sound, so I apologize for that. But anyways, back to uh, favorite person. Um, one thing I didn't touch on before was um, some new things that I found out. Like they say, uh, favorite person could be um, a friend, a significant other, um, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be a colleague at work. It could be a therapist. Um, <laughs> It's anybody that they almost like codependency and one thing I didn't actually touch on was the actual difference between um, codependency and having a favorite person <clears throat> most of what I heard um, sounds almost like it but again when it comes to BPD they uh, kind of name it something different um, but anyways it's when the person with BPD uh, become so consumed with this person that they're uh, one of the things is their whole day's demeanor uh, attitude mood everything kind of surrounds this person in every possible way in, in so many different ways um, if this person is acting you know lovable and attentive um, you know, in, in every way to satisfy the person with BPD, uh, this person will have, um, you know, a good day or, or a better day than normal. Um, if this person seems withdrawn, distant, um, maybe not returning phone calls in a timely manner that, or, or responds the way that this person uh, with BPD, um, you know, expects them to respond, all of a sudden that can not only um, you know affect their entire day but at the same time can um, trigger off an episode as well you know if they send a, a say a Facebook message just to say you know hey how's your day going and you know half an hour goes by an hour goes by and they don't respond then of course right away they're gonna be thinking well, what is this person doing why are they not paying attention to me why are they not responding to me they don't care about me anymore. Are they doing something behind my back? You know, depending on what that, <clears throat> excuse me, the relationship with that person is. You know, if it's a 
if it's a close friend, you know, cheating may not come to mind. Uh, but if it's a significant other, you know, cheating's going to come to mind. But that's kind of more steering towards uh, uh, an episode. But back to this person, there um, it, it depends what this person is too. When they were talking about subtypes, if it's uh, a friend, a colleague, a therapist, um, a significant other, obviously um, different moves are going to get triggered. You know, a therapist, you know, they're not going to care or, you know, wonder if that person's, you know, sleeping with somebody behind their back opposed to a significant other. Um, But when it comes to a friend, um, it's maybe the attentive part about a return and a message. If it's a significant other, then it could be all the above. Why are they not returning the call? Are they cheating on me? Blah, blah, blah. But that's where it becomes very unhealthy when they have a favorite person. Um, and one of the problems is that if, uh, especially, I'm going to hone in a little bit more on if it's um, a significant other or somebody... Uh, even if it's a non-platonic, I mean a platonic um, relationship. Um, as a matter of fact, um, and the reason I'm saying that because I'm gonna go in a little bit more in depth on uh, what I experienced with my wife when we were not together uh, last year. <coughs> Excuse me, or I should say, um, probably a couple years ago. But anyways, um, is the person with BPD, uh, when it comes to somebody they want to be with, somebody they idolize, um, they'll play this person up so much, they'll idolize them based on what they feel in their mind their relationship could be or should be in their mind. You know, if they feel, if I'm with this person, my life will be so much better, um, you know, they're good looking, they, they have all the physical attributes that um, I've always wanted, um, they got a good job, they're attentive, this and that, so if they get these little bits of, you know, even just a sample taste of what this person has already put into the friendship or relationship, you know, in their mind, they don't believe unfortunately that things could ever go sour even though every relationship everybody's ever been through there's a sour point at some point they play it up in their mind that this person this person is and will be perfect for me um and this person can do no wrong and they'll the person with bpd will bend over backwards um defend this person um even when they are wrong they'll defend this person to the nth degree They'll um, play this person up in their own mind and to other people. You know, this person's a king, they're perfect. Um, You know, this person can do no wrong. And that's why, unfortunately, some people know this and they sense this and they manipulate the person with BPD and take advantage of it. And that's the sad part because they know this person plays them up and in their mind they're perfect and and they get you know this big ego and then they use it to their advantage next thing you know the person with BPD um, you know doesn't realize they're being manipulated and taken advantage of and this person will 
you know, cheat behind their back, and, you know, and then, you know, if the, the person uh, that's, you know, playing them is 15 or 20 minutes late, the person with BPD automatically thinks they're cheating on them, and in some cases, they probably really are, which makes it all that much worse, because they'll tell the person with BPD, oh, you're crazy, you're, you know, there's something wrong with you, I'm not doing anything wrong, in a sense, they really are, so that's what really does suck, <clears throat> and, you know, it just messes with people's minds, but what I was, um, you know, back to saying was, when I was listening to some of these, you know, cases, you know, it's really sad, especially when the person um, that does not have BPD realizes, oh, this person idolizes me, you know, I'm perfect in their eyes, I can do no wrong, and they use it to their advantage, and that's sad to do to anybody, to any human being, but especially to somebody who's BPD, because that's a big part of their disorder, and of course, their fear of abandonment, so that's why they're like, you know, they played up, this person is perfect to me, this person, you know, even if they know there is flaws, it doesn't matter, you know, and then when they think that they're losing this person, you know, they'll do anything, you know, I'm going to kill myself if you leave me, um, they become clingy, um, but then at the same time, this didn't make sense to me, when it was saying that sometimes a person with BPD can either be excessively clingy, or they don't get close enough, but not too close at the same time, or they get far, but not too far, and that was really confusing to me, because I'm like, if they are, you know, um, so stuck on this person, and this person, you know, is everything to them, perfect, and they base their life and their mood around this person, then why would they want to get far but not too far, or, you know, uh, clingy but not too clingy, you know, that was a real confusing um, factor in my head. Now, the main reason I got kind of uh, stuck on the subject of a favorite person with BPD is because, like I said, uh, four years ago, me and my wife had gotten divorced, and then uh, about nine months later, we got together on and off, and then we're apart again, you know, for six months, and um, then we got back together uh, last May of 2022, and have been together since. Um, in my other episodes explain, you know, that she's done a 180, and our relationship has been better than it ever has in 34 years. Um, but anyways, uh, four years ago when we got divorced, uh, you know, being together for, you know, I think it was 28 years, uh, I mean, uh, almost, you know, 30 years together, um, you know, and getting divorced was an extreme. I mean, that's ended a long relationship. You know, we were together since we were 18 and 16 years old. And um, one of the, the biggest reasons was I said, you know, it was kind of the same things over and over. And somebody may say, well, yeah, but you can only do the same things over and over before somebody finally cuts ties. But we had a very special and close relationship that I knew there was something more to it. I, I just did, you know, and as much as my therapist and so many people uh, tried to convince me otherwise, um, I found out 
it, it was something different. And what it was, was uh, there was a guy that was a friend of my son's. Um, and, uh, you know, well, he was older than our son. But anyways, um, you know, he gave her a little bit of attention and she latched right onto it. Um, because right before there, me and her were arguing. Um, we had been separated for, no, about three months. So, you know, there was no physical, mental romance, nothing. She was very lonely. So it's, you know, understandable that she latched onto that friendship a um, hundred times more than what it really was, you know, by him just, you know, saying, hey, how you doing? And, you know, and, and um, you know, I found out uh, through other people that, you know, he would make a, a comment of saying, you know, she was a you know, pretty lady and this and that. Of course, everyone wants to hear that, but <clears throat> especially when she was, you know, um, being lonely and everything, she's going to latch onto that a lot more. And with having BPD, even more. And that's where the favorite person comes into play. So, I didn't realize this till, to be honest with you, just about probably a year ago. After all these years, um, I, I looked up online different keywords and everything and tried figuring why would she latch. You know, because like I said, I knew there was something more. And it wasn't just because this guy would it, because he, you know, he was friends with my son, friends with her, but she took it to an extremely higher level. And unfortunately, at one point, they uh, did end up sleeping together, which really killed me. But the, the thing was, um, anything he did, she played it up into 100% under the category of having a favorite person. Um, and what's weird is, she would always tell me before, uh, I'm going to find somebody, you know, who's not a cheater or a liar, um, never did drugs or drink or anything like this. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to find um, an angel because, you know, you're not going to find a perfect person. But what made me mad was she would always throw out my, my bad points, um, you know, saying I broke promises. Um, and would lie, you know, and I never claimed to be a perfect person at all, but everything she threw out about me, come to find out what this guy was doing, but like, there'd be a lot of times, um, either he would say he was going to come over and hang out, <clears throat> or she would ask, can you come over and hang out, and he would make excuses saying he didn't have a ride, his car wasn't working, he had to work late. <clears throat> or if he wasn't answering her, um, saying his phone was dead. But I was the one who did a lot of the investigating would find out the times when he said he was working late, he was actually over hanging out with my son or one of my son's friends. Or when he said his truck wasn't working, I personally saw him one day at the store, um, at the liquor store picking up alcohol. So I found out from so many of the lies and I would, you know, throw in her face, of course, being jealous. I'm like, you know, all the things you cut me down for and said you left me and divorced me for, you know, this guy's doing to you. And you know, that makes no sense. But, of course, I suppose with anybody, you, you know, because you're thinking it's a new relationship. So, you know, you know, I probably did a million things to hurt her. And this guy probably only did, you know, like 20 things to hurt her. So I'm comparing, you know, 
you know, not orange just apples, but the weight of it, you know, the, you know, a thousand situations as opposed to one situation type of thing. And of course, you know, I was jealous. I wanted my wife back and I didn't want anybody else, you know, coming in between us. But, um, that's what used to make me mad. And I'm like, you know, this guy can, you know, because I would read a lot of her texts and I would tell her, I said, you know, I read texts and, you know, he would ignore you for days and make up these stupid excuses and lies and stuff. And you latch right out. You're begging this guy to come over and hang out with you. Why are you begging somebody to come over and hang out with you that's lying to you and this and that? And that's because this became her favorite person. In her mind, she figured if I can have him all to myself and get a relationship with him, I can have him with me all the time. And um, she even wrote uh, a journal I found one time. And I, again, I, I feel like an asshole because I, I read it. But I'm sure anybody would do it if they're in love with, you know, somebody else. But I was reading in there and she said, you know, I know he lied and said that, um, you know, he couldn't come over because his truck broke down or he was late or his phone wasn't working but at the same time you know he's going through a separation with his ex and she goes but I know I can't get mad at him and flip out on him because then I'll never have a chance so if I show him that I can excuse these things from him maybe he'll say hey I've got flaws but this lady you know is willing to forgive and forget and you know um you know, she really likes me and wants me. So she was trying to do anything she could to possibly get a relationship with him. And I mean anything. Like all his flaws, she, you know, didn't flip out over. You know, she would a little bit like, you know, you know, why would you lie to me? You said you were going to come over. You should have never even offered. I never asked you if you were coming over. You said, hey, I'm not doing anything uh, tonight. So after work, I'll come over and hang out. And then you ignore me for two days and said that, you know, your phone was dead and, and then he's like, well, because, you know, I was, um, uh, you know, I felt like a jerk because, you know, my phone was dead and I was embarrassed and didn't want to argue with you and hear what you had to say about me, you know, not contacting you for two days. And then when even when she would find out, I would prove to her that he was lying. She would either not confront him or say, um, you know, I found out that you were actually hanging out, um, you know, with your buddy Joe. Um, you know, and I'm not going to flip out about it or anything. Just, you know, don't lie to me. And I'm thinking, if that was me, she would have cut my head off. But again, she was thinking she would do all these things. And he would go, wow, you know, this girl's really cool. She doesn't freak out over the littlest things and this and that. So it was like, I'm saying to myself, this guy can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. And that's exactly what somebody does when they have a favorite person they literally like I said they they feel what this person you know is capable of they play it off as completed you know this person could be my prince no he is my prince if he could be my king he is my king and if they have their mindset on you know like she did if um, you know if, if I show him that I can forgive these things and not freak out over them, you know, like other people, um, you know, maybe I can get them in my arms. And then, like I said, I finally figured out why she actually went through um, the entire process of a divorce. And that was because 
And I know it was an excuse on his part, which was sad. Because a couple times she hinted and said, you know, um, she, you know, she wants to find somebody, blah, blah, blah. And then finally one time she's like, you know, you're such a nice guy. I wish you, you know, were completely single. And his excuse was, well, I feel kind of weird because, you know, where you're still married, you know, that's, you know, kind of a thing in my book, you know, I would never date a woman who was, you know, separated only if she was completely divorced. Well, once that was set in her mind, now she figures, oh, he just spelled out the key word, if I was divorced. So what she figured was, if I divorce him, then I'll be completely open. That's my key. Two days after he mentioned that, she literally went down and filed for divorce. And she would let him know about every step of the way. I went down and filed today for divorce. And then every day she would say, oh, I can't wait till I get papers in the mail from the divorce. And then she would get the date in the mail. And she's like, I just got the date in the mail. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm going to be free of this, you know, finally. And, you know, uh, then I can finally have somebody new in my life. And, and then she would hint in there that she's like, there's somebody on my mind. But I don't want to say who it is because I don't want to scare him away. And he came right out and said once, you know, I don't want to lead you on. But like I said, um, you know, a married woman, you know, I just don't do that. That's not, you know, in my cards. So that's why she kept using it as a stall tactic. But she was banking on the idea that if we were divorced, he would be with her. Well, fast forward to the point. Finally, when the divorce went through, she texted him, and she was so ecstatic. She said, can you come over tonight? I got some really good news. I'm going to even buy some drinks. We need to celebrate. So he kept saying, why? And she kept saying, it's a surprise. I can't really say. Um, I want to surprise you. So finally, he kept asking, well, I'm not sure if I can come over. And she said, okay, here's the deal. My divorce went through today. I need to celebrate. Well... For five days, he kept blowing her off. Oh, I got things to do and this and that. So then she finally freaked out a little bit. She's like, you know, you kept saying, you know, about being divorced. And I finally did it. And I wanted it to be a surprise. Um, and I wanted to celebrate it with somebody special. And now it's like, you don't even care. It's almost like you were just saying it for an excuse. Now I'm divorced. And it's like, you don't even care. You didn't even say congratulations or anything. So, <clears throat> for a few weeks, they got into some really bad arguments. And he's like, you know, if you're going to freak out like this, you know, I didn't say to you, hey, when you divorce, I'm going to be with you. You're assuming things. So, during that period, I had looked back on my phone and I saw it during that period. She was being really nasty to me, ignoring me. And then I would text her for a few days and she would be like, what the F do you want? You know, I want people out of my life. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, we just started talking again. And and she wouldn't say. So I started putting the pieces together. I'm like, oh, now he's, she's pissed off about this. So I had confronted her time and time again. And saying the only reason you divorced me was, you know, because of this guy. You know, he kept leading you on and you kept assuming it. And she swore up and down, no, that's not why we got divorced. And I said, you can deny it all you want. I'm not looking for you to admit it. I'm telling you, I know for a fact. <clears throat> now, whether 
honestly in her mind. She's either knows the truth and is denying it, or she doesn't really understand why. But I know for a fact the reason she did, all the pieces are there. Anybody could look at it and say the reason she did it was because, well, what pushed her over the edge to do the divorce was because of the situation. Knowing her for 30-something years, I know that's why she did it. Anybody could see the pieces and say that's, you know, probably why. But, like I said, I don't know if that's really why she did it and she's denying it or if she subliminally doesn't know why she really did it, but that's the reason why. But the bottom reason is, and I told her, you can deny it all you want, but the reason you did it was because of this. Whether you're lying to yourself or not, that's why you did it. So, then for a year after that, it kept going back and forth. She kept trying to get in contact with him and then talking to him online. Um, and I'm like, you know, I hope this guy, like, doesn't get into a separation again because he admitted to her he got back with his ex. And then she's, like, you know, telling other people, writing in her journal, that, you know, she missed her opportunity, that it was bad timing, and then blaming me saying that I was getting in the way and that's why uh, he got back with his ex. But, you know, the thing is, um, whether, you know, uh, she can blame me or not, but the, the, the honest to God reason, you know, why she really did all this was for the fact that she played him up and she was trying to do whatever she could um, whether it was to get people out of the way, she thought that I might ruin it if I found out they were getting close, or if he found out I was hanging around with her, she was pushing me away, and that's why she was pushing me away so much, because she didn't want anything with me ruining possibly her chances of getting together with this guy. So, you know, I was going crazy looking online you know, and wondering all these different things like how to rekindle a relationship with an ex, um, an ex would be PD, how to rekindle a relationship, um, somebody with a personality disorder. I mean, I could not understand, you know, here we are, we had like 30 years, and yes, I, I know many people, and I probably told myself, you know, we've had a thousand fights, but again, somebody can get so sick of it, but knowing her so well, I said, <clears throat> there's more to it than just her wanting to get divorced. And like I said, if this guy didn't get into the way, you know, um, there wouldn't have been a divorce. And now I know, I, I will say 100% for a fact, that was the main reason. And, and it was because of the BPD and the favorite person like I said, you know, because it was weird. Because sometimes when we were going back and forth of, you know, being together, not being together, you know, besides having her BPD splitting, like, we'd have, you know, three or four days. And, you know, of course, a BPD, it can be the stupidest thing. I went to the bathroom at the wrong time. Or she may have just saw um, a movie that had to do with cheating and all of a sudden shut the TV off and you know, her thinking I'm cheating, but it was more to it than that, like, it, it, it was for the dumbest reasons, or, like, sometimes she would invite me up, and then I go up there, 
and she changed her mind after driving an hour. Or as soon as I get there, she'd be really cold to me. And I started, you know, looking into her phone and looking at the messages. And I would notice if, you know, she was getting a nasty argument with him or she was ignoring her, she would take it out on me. Well, of course she's going to take it out on me because she don't want to take it out on him because she doesn't want to ruin it, you know, with him already saying, you know, you're acting possessive and you're acting like a crazy woman, you know, why would I want to be friends with somebody like that? So, with him not having any ties or, you know, a relationship or anything other than just, you know, friends, he's going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm cutting ties completely with this woman, you know? So, she was trying to do everything she can to, you know, take it out on me instead of, you know, taking it out on him. And I would ask her all the time. And actually, I would ask her, but I knew the reason. And I'm like, you know, are you acting this way to me because somebody's not texting you back? Or, you know, are you taking it out on me? No, I'm not. Most of the time, I already knew because I was looking at the messages. But I didn't want her to know that. And I said, you know, don't think I'm stupid. You know, I, he probably is ignoring you or not giving you the answer you want. So you're taking it out on me. And that's not fair. You know, just like if I did something to you, you're going to take it out of him? No, because he's probably perfect in your eyes, which not realizing what a favorite person was, that's exactly what she was doing. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is I'm picking more at a person with BPD who has a favorite person, like I said, that either, you know, platonic or, you know, a significant other. They want that person to be something um you know that they're hoping that person will be you know and like i said they they play this person to be perfect and this person could do no wrong and there would be times believe it or not that like when she would get along with him like when he was like you know texting her or something she would actually be nice to me and I really want to say so many times, you're only being nice to me because he's texting you. He's, you know, talking to you. You're not fighting with him. But at the same time, I wanted to take advantage of any time that we were, you know, talking to get along. Because if I would have said something like that, she would deny it, obviously. And, um, you know, make me leave. So why am I going to ruin any possible chance that we have of, you know, talking to get along, but, you know, at the same token, whether she was doing that on purpose, like, you know, being in a good mood, and then, you know, talking to me and hanging out with me, or she was doing it subliminally, you know, because she was in a good mood, not knowing why she was in a good mood, I don't know, you know, some people don't realize why they're in a good mood, some people do, you know, everything's going great, that's why I'm in a good mood, but, like I said, what did make me mad was when she was arguing with him, she would take it out on me. And that's when I did speak up and I said, you know, this isn't fair. I know he's fighting with you. You know, you want to play him up to be Mr. Perfect. But yet what's funny is, is he's doing the same exact things to you that you used to fight with me about. And yet, um, you know... It used to make me so mad. I, I, I'm like, you know, you, you're fighting with me the things that he's doing. But when I did those things, you would fight with me about it. 
So why are you taking it out on me? But like I said, I would take advantage of any time that we could spend together. So it kind of sucked. You know, I took the good with the bad and took the bad with the bad. But that's the problem when it comes to a person. Um, And this guy completely took advantage of her, you know, and he knew that. Like, he would borrow money from her. um, And there's a few other things that's kind of personal I'm not going to get into, but he did. He took advantage of her kindness because he knew no matter what he did, you know, he could lie to her and say, you know, my phone was dead, I, my car wasn't working. She found out the truth and she, you know, said, I'm not going to fight with you about it and this and that. So, you know, that's what used to make me mad a lot, um, you know, is that he did take advantage of it, you know. And what's funny is, is when I used to tell her this uh, stuff, she would actually fight with him sometimes and say to him, you know, it's pretty bad that my husband, who I divorced because I wanted to have a deeper relationship with you, um, who I push away all the time when there's things that you do and I'm mad at you, but instead of getting mad at you and taking it out on you, I take it out on him when he comes running up here to offer me support or be a friend or bring me cigarettes when I need it or anything um, for that matter. Even when I tell him not to, he still wants to. And here you are offering things and you back out, break your promises. And I take it out on him. And even he said that you're taking advantage of me. And I didn't want to see it, but now I can see that it's true. So I'm like, so she is listening to me and taking my advice. And then finally she would blow up at him. You know, I think at that point she probably figured this ain't going to turn into anything anyway. So I'm finally going to speak my mind. And... You know, it, over just said, you know, not bring this um, episode, you know, too far beyond what I was trying to get at. But through the relationship, like I said, what would really kill me is, like I said, she would bend over backwards and put him up on a pedestal, um, not because of things, you know. And that's what I used to tell her that, you know, this guy never even ever took you out on a date. He never did bring you flowers. He never gave you a card or a gift or anything like that. Why is he up on a pedestal? And until I found out what a favorite person is, those people don't have to do those things. It's what they think that person would do or could do. You know, that person may treat their wife, you know, bring her out to um, luxurious uh, suppers and cruises and weekend getaways doesn't mean they do it with that person but what they figure is if they can do it for their wife and now they're separated and if I can prove myself to this person they'll do this for me so even though maybe there'll never be a possibility to promise or even to talk about that possibility in their mind they think if I can get this person they'll do these things for me because if they can do it for her they can do it for me so that's what she was doing playing it up in her head you know uh, every time he used to mention, you know, I saw the Texas, you know, I bought her a $3,000 engagement ring. And a week after, she took the ring and said she'd marry me. She gave it back to me. And, you know, she wrote in her little journal. Um, and she texted back to him, my God, if that was me, I would have kissed your feet. I would have, you know, um, oh, my God, I would have done all kinds of things for you. How ungrateful she is. 
and then, you know, he would say, I took her out and spent $200 on a romantic evening. I took her out for supper um, and a movie. She didn't even appreciate it. And she's like, oh, my God, you're such a nice guy. You do all these nice things for her. My God, if I had a man like that. So she's thinking is, you know, he's hinting these things because he wants to do those things, but she doesn't appreciate it. So he'll do those things for me. So they bank on those. And like I said, there never has to be a promise or talk about it. In their mind, they built it up and figure, if I do anything for this guy, he'll do it for me. So he's perfect. They'll defend him. They'll, you know, put this person on a pedestal. Um, They'll even talk to people and say, there's a person I'm in love with. Um, This person, you know, once we get out of certain situations, um, you know, um, we're going to be together, but I can't explain what the situation is. You know, they'll fabricate. They'll fantasize. Um, It's amazing the lengths that they'll go through when they have this, you know, favorite person. And it's, like I said, it's really sad because... I saw what my wife went through, and even though I was confused, mad, angry, jealous at the time, at the same time, I was sad because I said, I wish I could win her heart over like that, you know, and I had a million chances, and I blew it, but it wasn't that so much as it was her playing this person up as a favorite person because of the BPD. So, what I would suggest anybody out there who has BPD and you think that you're falling into this trap of a favorite person look at what you're getting into don't try to play it up as something that it's not don't you know if there hasn't been any talk or hints um, any any discussion in any way whatsoever about this person ever being in your life and you're playing them up to what you think it could be not to what it really would be um rethink the situation don't push away something that could be real in your life um you know everybody's human people are going to make mistakes they're going to lie they're going to fail uh they might exaggerate for whatever reason nobody's perfect and the problem is when you have a favorite person you'll play them up to be perfect don't try to play them to be beyond a human being because we're all human beings um not saying that person, you know, may or may not be your next Prince Charming, but, you know, be careful and take a step back and look at, you know, what you're really doing with this person and in reality where it could really go. And make sure you're not pushing away the right people and bringing in the wrong person. Just reevaluate everything. That's all I'm saying. Just reevaluate everything. But... Um, anyways, that's a lot more of what I've had to say about when it comes to somebody with BPD and a favorite person. So, and if you know somebody with BPD and you feel you're being played as a favorite person, don't manipulate, don't manipulate them and don't take advantage of the situation. <clears throat> be upfront with them, be straightforward. And, you know, if you see the signs, whether you have BPD or not, just reevaluate the situation. Be honest. You know, it's better to be honest and hurt their feelings than to be dishonest and hurt their feelings. Trust me. I think anybody can agree. You know, you can say things, or, you, you know, you may hear things you may not like and cry, but there's things that you may not hear and then later on cry. So it's better to be upfront and tell them something they don't want to hear than not tell them 
and have more sore feelings down the road. So anyways, with that being said, thank you again for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. And remember, if you have somebody in your life with BPD, love them and care about them and understand them as much as you can because they find it so hard to love themselves, understand themselves, and even care about themselves. Thank you again for listening.